Hello, podcast friends. Pastor Marco here. Listen, I wanted to take a moment to let you know that I wrote a book that I'm really excited about. It's a book called Untangling Jesus from Religion. It's actually out of a series that I did about a year ago. Uh, just the heart behind it is to just help people get to Jesus. There's so many things, religious things, that get in the way of us having an actual relationship with Jesus. So I wrote this book in a very conversational style to help people unpack the reality that Jesus came to give us a, a exciting, fulfilling journey with Him. And if we can just untangle some stuff out of the way, all of us, I think, would want to follow this Jesus. So I wrote it for people who are already in church to have a better perspective of Jesus, but also people outside of church who might have these questions and they're just not sure, they're confused. So this book, Untangling Jesus from Religion, is available right now for pre-order on Amazon. I would love for you to check it out and let me know what you think, but also maybe help another person connect with it, someone maybe outside of church who has questions. I think it's a great way for us to have conversations around this Jesus that we love so much. And I pray that today's talk will bless you and encourage you. Today, we're going to, um, we're going to introduce our theme for the crew. You know, we're going to go on a journey for the next eight weeks, and we're going to unpack a specific thing for the next eight weeks that I believe that between Sundays and cruise, we're going to have a better perspective of God's will for us. And this year's theme is you have an assignment. You have an assignment is what we're going for. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 2. And again, today I just want to outline where we're going and what's the focus for the next eight weeks as we, as we go on this journey together. And I do believe with my heart that your life will be much more significant if you commit to Sundays and you commit to a crew. I really believe this with all my heart. And every time we introduce a series, I give you an overview of the series. And then the next eight weeks, we're going to unpack these things um, as we go forward. So Ephesians 2 is going to be our Bible reference point for where we're going to try to go this next few weeks. Are you guys there? Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's one on our church app that you can find, and then you can take notes right there as well. Um, it's an awesome tool. Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 8, says this. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So let me, let me give you the, the overall theme here, right? That because of what Jesus has done for us, right, we don't take credit for it, we don't earn it, but guess what? He has created us to do good things that he planned for us long ago. Way before you were even born, God had a plan for you, but that plan involves you being redeemed and transformed so you can truly understand what his purpose is for your life. And so you have an assignment, and I want to help us unpack this assignment for the next few weeks. Can you say amen? So listen, let, let, let's, let's do an overview, right? All of us are put on this earth for a reason. You have a creator. No one creates without a purpose. 
So you have a creator that created you with purpose in mind. You have a specific calling. And in that calling, there are many other callings. Like you have to unpack the callings that God has for you. And so what I want to do, I want to help us understand what does it mean to be called? You know, I want to I want to help us unpack this this understanding of calling because it's one of those like church words that we use a lot. But what does it actually mean to be called? And I also want to unpack these assignments. What, what does it mean to have an assignment from the Lord? Are you with me so far? And so to get us going, let me let me give you a little perspective on this particular book that we just read. OK, this book called the Ephesians book was written to a group of believers in Ephesus which is modern-day Turkey, right? The Apostle Paul would, would travel to different cities. He would preach the gospel. And when people come to the gospel and get saved, they would birth a church. And these churches would, would start small with a few people, and then they would begin to grow. And then he would go to the next city and preach the gospel there, plant the church, put leadership over it. And then he would write letters because that was the only technology they had of that, of that day. And the letters were to encourage them, to inspire them, to challenge them, to motivate them. Okay, now grow in that understanding of the gospel. Grow in that purpose that God has for you. And so he writes these letters to them. And I believe he writes these letters to us today because the church continues to grow 21 centuries later. Can you say amen? Now, what's interesting about this particular book from these other books is the fact that this particular book, Paul is not necessarily trying to deal with any specific issues within the church. If you read his books, usually what he's doing is he's trying to help people understand, okay, now that you are a believer, like you can't live like the world. Like, you can't do certain things, right? He's trying to help them understand, like, you have a new life. But here, what's fascinating about this particular book, Ephesians, is that Paul spends majority of his time letting them really know who they are in Jesus. Like, his main concern here is to help them understand, hey, here's what it means to be a Jesus follower. Here's what it means to have the gospel. In other words, what Paul is interested in, I hope you can write this down, is he's interested in helping them understand their true identity in Christ. That's the main focus of this book. So when you begin to study this book, it basically lands on two things. The first three chapters... He's talking about the spiritual privileges of the church. And when I say the church, I mean God's people. Right? So for three books, for three chapters, by the way, there's only six chapters. You can read this in one, in one week. One chapter a day, Monday through Saturday. You'll get through it, and then you'll get to church next week. Do we have a deal? Just one guy. Okay, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Thank you. Three chapters just unpacking their identity. In other words, three chapters, all he's doing is saying, guys, here's who you really are in Jesus. Three chapters doesn't tell them one thing to do. Three chapters of just telling them who they really are in Christ. And, and what's so cool is that, listen, here's what, here's what he he does for three chapters. Here's the, word, the words that he uses for three chapters, and I believe he's speaking to us today. He says this. He says things like, hey, you are blessed. The word blessed means you are content. You are fulfilled. You are highly favored by God. 
right? And then he says, hey, you guys are adopted. What does it mean to be adopted? It's to be engrafted in the family of God. See, everybody says, you know, I'm a child of God. No, no, you are a creation of God. To become a child of God, you have to be adopted by God through his son, Jesus Christ, so that you can be in the family of God. Right? He says, listen, you guys are redeemed. What does it mean to be redeemed? You've been purchased. Like, you have an owner. You have someone who went to the cross on your behalf. And then he says, listen, you guys are forgiven. Listen, you don't have to earn forgiveness. You don't deserve forgiveness. It is something that God just blesses you with. He forgives you. He empowers you. And then he says, look, you guys are included in God's plan. You are marked by God. You are sealed by God. You are alive in God. And you are raised up in Christ. That's who you are. My friends, that's the gospel. The gospel priority is to tell you who you are in Christ, not who you used to be and who you're going to be. He tells you who you are in the moment. You are saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved because Christ has got you. Listen, the gospel priority is who you are because who you are then will determine what you do. In our society, we like to start with what you do. The problem is if you stop doing that thing, does that mean you stop being you? So he spends three chapters just unpacking their identity in Christ. My friends, I hope you understand this. The gospel is who you really are in Jesus, a child of God. Not deserved, not earned, but blessed because God decided a long time ago to redeem you, to, purpose, to, to, to purchase you, to restore you, and to empower you with the spirit so you can live life above the level of sin and mediocrity and you can live in the fullness of his will. See, here's the thing. If you start with instructions and commandments, you might, people might think you have to earn God's love. That's the problem with the way a lot of people present the gospel nowadays. We start with what people should be doing, but how are they supposed to know what they should be doing if they don't know who they are? So a lot of us, what we do is we present the gospel this way. We tell people, stop drinking, stop smoking, stop sleeping around. Okay, but who am I? Because if I knew who I really was, then maybe I, should, I wouldn't be doing those things. And what happens is we create a legalistic gospel as opposed to a gospel that's actually transforming our hearts. Because I don't know about you, but I teach my kids every day, I don't want you to behave in front of me. I want you to behave because it's who you really are when I'm not there. Yeah. If all your kids do is the right thing because you're right there, it's not the gospel. It's legalistic. They just put it on a front, and we call that hypocrisy. Hello, somebody, we're preaching. So it's not about what you do, it's about who you are that determines what you do. This is what Paul is doing, three chapters of just saying, I want you to know who you really are first. Because here's the thing, you tell someone enough times who they are, they start connecting the dots and start doing what they're supposed to do. And can we be honest for a second in church, all of us already know what we need to do. It's Valentine's Day. Can, can, can I help us a little bit? Us dudes, we already know what to do. So one more nagging is not going to do it. I'll leave it alone because y'all are looking at me weird. But I tell you what, you win the heart of a man when you encourage him. Why do dudes pat each other on the back? That's how we encourage each other. 
We don't have to say much. That's why dudes go to the movie and call it hang out. We watched the movie, it didn't say much, but man, it was awesome. Who you are determines what you do. And the more we are encouraged about who we are, the more it blesses us to do what we need to do. It's amazing to me how so many people don't need to be told what to do, they just need to be told who they are. Because what I've learned as a pastor is that a lot of times we want to be the Holy Spirit, we want to be God in those people's lives. When we're not called to be the Holy Spirit or God in people's lives, we're called to be encouragers in people's journey and just point them in the right direction and let the Holy Spirit bring the conviction that they need. Because I can't tell you how many times people have told me, like, man, I was at home one day and I just felt like, man, I, I, I should stop drinking. It's like, where did I come from? Well, the Holy Spirit. I remember one guy told me one time, he's like, man, I don't know what it is, but he called me out of nowhere. I never, we never talked about drinking at all. He was at home. He's like, man, I just feel this urge of like, I have a, a wine collection. I need to give it away. I'm like, why? Because he's like, I don't know. I just feel like I don't need it. And I'm like, I think you're hearing from God. If we can just trust the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives and just play the role that he called us to play, to preach the gospel, preach the good news, tell people about who they are and trust God to connect the dots about what they need to do. Come on, I'm preaching a good word. Then he goes into responsibilities. He says, hey, now that you know who you are, know this. This walk is a privilege, but also it's a responsibility. Right, you are trusted with the gospel. Now you got to live the gospel. You have divine privileges, but also you have divine responsibilities of how you're going to live the life that, that Jesus intended for you to live. I want to say this again. If we keep reminding people who they truly are, they'll figure out what to do. So my friends, Paul says, you are saved by grace Unto good works. And I think we need to redefine what salvation actually is. And if you're taking notes, salvation, my friends, is waking up to whom you were truly intended to be all along. Salvation is being fully alive. But second century church father, Irenaeus, I love his quote. He's one of my favorite quotes. He said this about salvation. He said, look, the glory of God is man fully alive. Salvation is when you're running on all cylinders. Salvation is when you're waking up in the morning and you know you have purpose and you have meaning. Listen, salvation is a gift because you don't earn it. You certainly don't deserve it. I was thinking about how do we, can we bring a fresh perspective to salvation? I was thinking about this. Imagine you were in the middle of the ocean and you had your little fishing boat and, 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 and you capsized and you, and you got caught in the storm and the ship is wrecked and you're wrecked and there's nothing around you and you're basically waiting for your demise. You're basically waiting to die and you know there's no hope. Hours are passing by. It's getting dark and you're like, I'm just, you know, I'm just waiting for the moment that I just passed and all of a sudden you see another ship vessel that comes and rescues you, how would you feel? I think all of us would agree that the immediate reaction is gratitude. There's this overwhelming sense of gratitude that would come over you, 
And once you gather your bearings, when you get back to shore, I guarantee you, your priorities will change. I guarantee you, you will have different perspective of life and what you're supposed to do with it. I guarantee you, the last thing on your mind is, I deserve this. I earned this. I guarantee you, your desire now is, man, now that I have the second chance of life, I need to make the most out of it and do all the things that is put inside of me to do because I am so grateful to be alive. My friends, that's what Jesus did on the cross for you. He went to the cross on your behalf to give you life and life more abundant. So when you do good things, you're not trying to earn it or deserve it. You're doing it out of gratitude for what he's done for you. And that, my friends... Is salvation. We all know the story. We all know the song, Amazing Grace. Even if you don't grow up in church, you heard the song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Did you know that the man that wrote that song, his name is John Newton, and he used to be a slave owner, and he owned a ship, and his ship got shipwrecked, and he was in the middle of the sea, drowning, dying, and God rescued him, and when he came back, he wrote, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's salvation, my friends. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. The moment you start with, I'm a good person, you already missed the gospel. You could be a good person and not be a safe person if you don't have salvation that you don't earn or deserve. Are you tracking with me? Listen, God's action does produce good works, but they are a consequence rather than a means of salvation. In other words, God is so good to you that he prompts good things out of you because of what he's done for you. I'll say it again. God is so good to you that he's the one that prompts the good things out of you because he's the one that has done those things on you in the first place. The Bible says he who begins a good work will finish it, but we stop there, but he says he's the God. It's God who gives you the will and the purpose and the strength and the desires to do those things in the first place. In other words, you wouldn't have something good to do if God didn't prompt you to do it. <laughs> now that will keep you from boasting right there. Because you're like, oh, the moment you start boasting, God's like, uh, who do you think put that in you? <laughs> God should be the one boasting. Right? That's why God looks down and says, you see my boy drove there? He's just doing what I called him to do. How would you like the God boast on you? Because if, if God's not boasting on you, you boast it on yourself, and that means you're on your own. Ooh. Hello. We were created, saved to do great things. Now, here's the thing. I believe that this good works is, is, is the purpose. And I think without purpose, we're already dying. And I don't mean just physically, I mean emotionally and spiritually. Think about it, my friends, this is very serious. There is a crisis of existence going on in our society right now. People don't know why they are alive. Suicide rate has gone up, depression has gone up, why? There's a lack of purpose in our society. And worst is, there's lack of purpose in churches. People go to church, punch a religious box, do the thing, you know, sing some songs. Their hearts are not in it. They're not aligned with the purpose of God. And then they get bored in, in, in church. And then they get mad at you because you have purpose and you have identity. And if they're not aligned with the purpose and identity of God, they'll end up fighting the very same thing that's trying to help them. You ever try to help someone 
not drown. You ever been in a situation at the beach where someone's drowning, you try to help them, what do they do? They, they pull you down. Why? Because they don't understand. I'm actually here to bless you. I'm here to help you. But because you're so scared because you're drowning, you're thinking everybody's here to get you. Yeah. It's the hardest thing to do is to rescue someone from drowning. Yeah. <laughs> and that's salvation. Sometimes God has to rescue us as we're kicking and screaming. And then we get our bearings, we go, oh, my God, <laughs> no idea you were here to actually help me. So listen, lack of purpose is dangerous because it leads to depression. Lack of purpose is the reason why our country pops so many pills. Lack of purpose is the reason why relationships are not working. Lack of purpose is the reason why people go to church today all over this country and be bored out of their minds because they're not connected to the purpose itself, to the creator itself. And, and here's, here's another thing. Lack of purpose makes you live small and insignificant lives. Lack of purpose will make you live other people's lives because you don't have a purpose for yourself. So you see why this is important? He spends three chapters saying, you need to know who you are because I don't want you to miss what you're supposed to do. If you don't know who you are, you're going to get caught up on all kinds of stuff that has nothing to do with you because you don't know your identity. You will settle for less than what God intended. But the flip side of that is beautiful. Purpose makes you come alive. Purpose puts a pep in your step. Purpose makes you want to get up in the morning. And it's purpose that makes you want to fight through difficult times. If you, listen, here's the thing. I find this very interesting. We humans will quit things very quickly if we don't find purpose in them. It's Valentine's Day. Let's be honest. A lot of marriages are hurting because people have no more purpose in them anymore. We've become roommates instead of partners in this life. But when there's purpose and you're aligned with it, then there's life in it. There's meaning in it. In the mundane of life, you'll find purpose. Because purpose cannot be just a Sunday morning thing. It needs to reflect on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and Saturday. Purpose is what puts life in you. That's why he's saying, listen, you got to know who you are because you got stuff to do. And here's the worst part. When you don't have things to do, you'll jack up your life. It's people without purpose that will do dumb stuff because they don't know why they're here. But purpose, my friends, makes you come alive. It's, it's, it's what we're trying to get to, this, this calling. And I want to define calling and unpack it a little bit. But here, here's what the dictionary calls it, right? The calling is this. It's a strong urge toward a particular way of life or career or a vocation. This is what Paul is trying to get to. He says, man, you are called by God. Jesus says it this way. Jesus said, many are called, few are chosen. Do you understand what that means? Think about it. God's calling is universal. For God so loved the world. But how many people are listening? So everyone is called, but not everybody's chosen. Not because you don't want to choose them, because they don't listen to his calling. 
Today, all over this country, people will go to a church building. Many will be called, but few will be chosen to actually fulfill that calling because they don't listen. Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear. In other words, are you really listening to the calling that I have over your life? But I think we need to broaden our understanding of calling. Because for so long in church, I think we've made calling a small thing. We've made calling about being a pastor or a worship leader, and those are callings. But the truth is, every believer is called in Christ to fulfill certain things that he has specifically just for you. There's a distinction, my friends, that we make that God doesn't make. In, in, we have a tendency to make decisions between what's spiritual and what's sacred. But when I read the Bible, everything is spiritual. God doesn't have the difference between compartments. We create compartments. But God says, everything to me is spiritual. Why? Because everything is touched by God. And let me please write this down. Nothing is insignificant. Nothing. God doesn't waste anything. One of the things I think when you wake up to the call and the reality of God in your life, you will never say things like, I'm just... For example, when someone is alive in Christ, you don't say, I'm just a mother. Don't you understand that's a calling? Everybody can have kids, but not everybody parents. So instead of saying, I'm just a mother, why don't I say, I am blessed, called, highly favored, blessed by God to raise these children the best way possible so they can have a better future than I did, so they can be aligned with God's will and purpose because God has trusted me with these kids. God could have trusted anybody, but he trusted me. Don't you know that some people can even have kids? That's a calling. To embrace that calling is to come alive in the purposes that God has for you because it, there's callings within callings. There's one of you, but there's many callers inside of you. Are you tracking with me? Are you listening to the Spirit? Listen, the Bible is so cool because the Bible shows us this through the people that God used. You know, the Bible has 66 books, and there's about 40 authors, and all of them had unique callings. I want to give you an exa- a few examples of what I mean because I want us to break this barrier between what's secular and what's spiritual because in God's eyes, it's all spiritual. But look, 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 look at a few of the people that God used to write the Bible, right? Look at this, right? You got shepherds like Moses. Moses was a shepherd for many, many years before God called him to go into Egypt and help liberate his people. You got tent maker like Paul who wrote 85% of the New Testament. And he would go to the cities like we talked about, and, and the way that he would earn a living was making tents because back in those days, tents were a big deal. He would make tents and preach the gospel. You got people like Peter, who was a fisherman, who should resonate well in our whaling city here of fishing, right? A fisherman who became the first pastor of Jerusalem and led his people towards the will of God. And then you got someone like Matthew, a text, an IRS dude. God says, I want to use you. You got a scribe like Ezra. You got a king like David. By the way, another word for kings is president who wrote majority of the Psalms that we love so much. And in a lot of it, he wrote it as a shepherd boy. And you got people like Nehemiah, who was a government official, who God used. God never separated what you do in the day-to-day life with what you think is spiritual. Everything is spiritual in God's economy. 
Everything. God doesn't waste anything. When we were getting ready to build this place, it brought me back to a prayer we prayed before we moved here, my wife and I. We said, God, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but we, we know this. We're going to need people who have skills in different areas that we have no idea. So when we got this place, I saw that prayer come to pass because God began to align us with people who have the skills and the trades to be able to do this because this place was a show us. Wouldn't it be nice to be like, God, make it a church? But God's like, no, I'll give you the people with the tools, with the blessings, with the skills to be able to do what I've called you to do. And he brought me, he brought me to the scripture, one of the first times in the Bible, one of the first times in the Bible that someone was, was spirit-filled, was not a preacher, not a prophet, not a worship leader. It was a craftsman. Watch this, Exodus 31. They were getting ready to build the first temple, by the way, when Moses was alive. They get, God gives them all the details and says, here, you're going to do it, but I'm going to give you the people who has the skills to do it. Watch this, right? Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, great name for your new kid, if you have kids on the way. Son of Uri, grandson of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. First time in the Bible, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. See, a lot of times we have reduced being filled with the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues, and you should speak in tongues, but watch this. I don't want to just speak in tongues. I want to be filled with wisdom, ability, and expertise so I can do what God has called me to do. You want to be a great mom? Then ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit so you can have wisdom, ability, and expertise to do what God has called you to be. You want to be a great businessman? Ask God for wisdom, to, for expertise to do what he's called you to do. You want to be a great teacher? Ask God for wisdom, for the ability, and the expertise to do what God has called you to do. You want to be a great mechanic? I have a mechanic in the house who tells me when, he, when he's stuck in a car, what he does, he steps back and says, God, give me wisdom to be able to know what I need to do to fix this car. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is so real, so powerful, it'll equip you to do what he calls you to do. But if we don't bring God with us, then we're on our own. Many of us are stuck in a problem because we haven't asked God for the solution. He is a master craftsman, not a preacher, not a worship leader. Expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstone and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. How awesome is that? See, there's no distinction between secular and spiritual in God's eyes. Everything you touch becomes spiritual because you're the vessel of the Holy Spirit. So when we were building this, I remember sending this scripture to Peter Ruta, who became the master craftsman of building this place. There's no way we would be able to do this without Peter, who knew he was spirit-filled. And many other dudes, obviously, but I'm just giving you one example. Just the other day, he was here. He's, we're still working in the building. We're working some stuff in the back. And you know what he told me? He said, man, I have dreams about this stuff. That's someone who's spirit-filled to do a specific task. All we have to do is ask God to be part of it and not separate what we think is secular and what we think is spiritual, because in God's economy, it's all spiritual. Matter of fact, I believe this. You may not be in your dream job right now, but man, if you approach it with the right heart, God will bless you exactly where you are and take you where you need to be if you invite him into your life. 
You know, I really believe this with all my heart, that we are a sum of what we make of day to day. I was telling someone the other day that I believe that I am where I am in life because when I got saved, I embraced the reality that God is with me exactly where I am. I wasn't waiting to go to the next thing. Everything that I've done, every odd job that I've had since I got saved and understood it, I asked God for wisdom. I asked God for ability to be able to do the best job I can possibly do. And I believe this, every single place that you find yourself in is a test. It may lead to a testimony if you take full advantage of where you are in that moment. So my jobs doesn't define me, it's my heart that defines what I do with the job. I've worked at Rocky's Ace Hardware Store, Chili's Restaurant, KFC, Ponderosa Buffet, <laughs> Challenges Group Home, and I tell you what, it has shaped me to be who I am today because you are where you are by the grace of God. And you can do what you can do because of the grace of God. Well, we have a ministry school. We try to teach these young men and women who are getting ready for ministry that if you say, I'm just a preacher or I'm just a worship leader, you just shut yourself in the foot and you pigeonhole yourself. Because God never said you're just a. Matter of fact, the reality is to be a preacher, you better know a lot of other things. Because if you think it's just about preaching, then you miss 99.9% .9 of your calling because you have to know how to run a staff, run meetings, do counseling, budgeting, deal with people's emotions and feelings, dealing with division, dealing with disunity, dealing with backbiting, dealing with all kinds of stuff because more people, more problems. Are you willing to embrace the fullness of God's calling over your life because the preaching comes out of what you do day to day? So you're not just, you have assignments within assignments. Can you say amen? This is where God wants to meet us, my friends. Listen, what I want to do the next eight weeks it's really going on a journey of unpacking these assignments that I believe is inside all of us, one way or another. So the next eight weeks, this is what we're going we're gonna to unpack these things. You have all these things inside of you. Number one thing is, is to know God personally. Your number one assignment in life is to know God personally. Why? Because everything trickles from there. Who you are in him defines what you do. Today is Valentine's Day. Can I tell you something? I am happily married, right? This week, we're going to celebrate 15 years of marriage, my wife and I. Okay? Now, here's the thing, though. She'll tell you, I don't define her. She doesn't define me. God defines us, and we complement each other. If God is not in the right place, she's going to try to be God in my life, and I'm going to try to be God in her life. That's why a lot of marriages don't work, is because we're trying to be something that God didn't call us to be. But if I know God personally, guess what happens? Because I know God personally, it affects my marriage for the better. It affects how I parent my children. It affects how I balance my checkbook because everything is spiritual. I talked about parenting. You know how important it is to embrace the calling? Because God is trusting you with these kids. 
My wife and I would tell you, we made a decision a long time ago. We said, when we have kids, we're going to do our best to steer them towards Jesus. But church is not going to take the place of our kids. Because I've seen a lot of pastors who put the church in front of their families, and then they end up losing both. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord first. And if we can serve God at home, we can serve God anywhere. Listen, you're called to live in community. From the beginning, God says, hey, it's not good for humanity to be alone. We need each other. That's why we push you towards crews. Because we know that there are certain blessings that you're missing because you're not connected with other believers. Matter of fact, you don't know what you have until you get with other people to realize, man, I got a lot going on. But you don't know that if you live isolated. Even if you find yourself stranded in a desert island, you need a Wilson. Because we can't do life alone. You need a community of people. And here's the thing, you need like-minded people. Because it's hard to go somewhere with people who don't want to go there. Oh, man, that's, that's a word. It's Valentine's Day. You know what the Bible says about Valentine's? It says don't be unequally yoked. Why? Because if you're trying to go this way and he's trying to go that way, then how are you guys ever going to meet? In the will of God. Quiet in this Baptist church when we tell the truth. Oh, tell me about flowers and tell me about feelings and tell me about emotions. Tell me about it. I'll tell you about it. Be equally yoked and God will bless you. <laughs> Listen, we're called to nurture. Parenting is a high calling. I can't stress that enough. People are a bright product of their environment, for good or bad. So parenting, and all of us, I think, can testify to wrong ways of parenting. But guess what? Now it's your job. You're up. How are you going to do it so that you don't repeat the same mistakes that your parents did? And, and, and God bless your parents because a lot of your parents just did their best. Like, I'm not one to bash people because we don't know what their struggle was. We have no idea what their parents were like. But guess what? I have a new revelation. I'm a child of God, so I'm going to do it the way God called me to do it. If you don't have kids, well, you're called to be a mentor. I don't take kids' ministry lightly. It's one of the most important ministries that we have. Why? Because we are shaping the next generation of people who can live according to the will of God. It's not babysitting. It is ministry. Like, some believers would do well to get around young people and start mentoring them. Here's why I think it's funny about some people. They come to church, they complain about it, they whine about it, they say all the stuff they want to say. You know, the church is this, the church is that, I'm not being fed. But it's like, who have you fed? Who have you helped? Who have you picked up? Who have you walked with? Who have you blessed? Who have you prayed for? Who have you got you up in the middle of the night praying for? When the phone rang, when was the last time you went and after somebody and waited for somebody to come after you? That's what mentoring is. I'm mentoring three guys right now that I pray they become better men than I ever was. Because I tell you what, if you don't want other people to be better than you, then you're not ready to mentor anybody. Like, I'm serious though. This burns me up in church. Because we're all working hard. Last thing we need is for you to be bashing us for trying to work hard. Why don't you join us in helping a difference and blessing people and helping people? 
got a whole generation waiting for some people that can come alongside of them. How about we mentor? If we're so smart, if you know better than the pastor, then go pastor some people. Go help some people. Come on, can we have an honest moment in church? You know, I believe all of us are called to work in specific areas. Like I just mentioned, Peter, an incredible master craftsman. When you own your salvation where you are, God will use you exactly where you are. We have mechanics in the house. We have teachers in the house. Whatever God's called you to, I believe it empowers you to do it and to do it with excellence. We're going to talk about what it means to create and innovate. God from the beginning says, I created you to create. Some of you, you, there's stuff in you that needs to come out in many ways. Some of you guys love to work with your hands, then, then create things that are good and powerful and, and great that other people can enjoy and say, wow, look how God's using you. Look how God's blessing you. And then I believe this with all my heart. We're here on this earth to make the world a better place. I started reading a biography yesterday by Steve Jobs. If you don't know who Steve Jobs is, just pull out your phone. That's Steve Jobs. He's, he's the one that revolutionized technology forever. But I started reading this biography yesterday. I was blown away already. I'm only in chapter one, and I'm already, like, mesmerized. He said, and here's, by the way, here's a guy that could have had all the reasons to not do anything. His parents didn't want him. I, he was adopted a baby, as a baby. His adopted parents did his best to raise him, to, to nurture him. And they say all his life he struggled with that, to be adopted. But man, he channeled his energy towards good things. And today we're all byproduct of his work. Every single one of us. Every one of us. If you don't believe me, have you watched a Pixar movie lately? Have you watched a Disney movie lately? Most likely, Steve Jobs' hands are on it. You use your phone lately? Some of y'all are using it right now. May the Lord convict you and, and break your phone in Jesus' name. May, may it ever work again. <laughs> but you know what he said? I love what he said. He said, it's those who are crazy enough to believe you can change the world that actually do. So many cynical people out there right now. Well, you think you can change the world? Yes, I believe it. I, 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 I prophesy it. I believe what we're doing here is changing the world. It's changing our city. It's changing our nation. It's changing our region. I believe the best is yet to come. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep believing. We're going to build homes. And we're going to have more things to do because I believe we're put on this earth to make a difference. And I refuse to live a life less than God's will for me. I don't care what people say. As long as God said it, I believe it. I'll continue to believe. I can continue to preach. I'll continue to raise hell in Jesus' name. I believe it. You can remain standing. I'm going to close. You already gave me your clue. Like, all right, wrap it up, Pastor. Wrap it up. I got things to do. You got nothing to do. Pages are not playing. <laughs> but I'm going to wrap it up. I do believe you have a calling. And I call it an assignment. I didn't call it assignments because I believe you are an assignment. You just have many callings inside of you. But I want to challenge you with this. Pastor Mark Batterson, who wrote Pray in Circles, a pastor out of Washington, D.C., 
He said this, and this is my challenge for us for this next eight weeks. He said, you need a vision for a mission. Ask God to give it to you. Pray, fast, study, whatever it takes. Don't stop until you have your vision. I love that. I believe God puts that in you. I believe there's no destination because the journey is the destination. It's the daily wrestling to get the most out of me. I told you this from the beginning of 2021. You're only competing with yourself. So every day I want to push myself to be the best version of me because God created me with things in me already that needs to come out of me. And I pray you take this seriously. This is why I think you should go to crew so you can wrestle with this, so you can ask questions, so you can rub shoulders with others because iron sharpens iron. And that's how we grow. That's how we build. And that's how you become more than someone who lives in their heads but lives in real life. All of this because we're saved by the grace of God. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. You have certain gifts. Guess what? You didn't earn those gifts. And what do we do with the gifts? We compare them instead of using them. Don't you know that to whom much is given, much is required? Some of y'all, you should be thankful. You only have one gift because you're only responsible for one. But I see people who don't do nothing with that one, but they're asking God for more. God's not going to give you more if all you do is complaining and whining about where you are and what's in front of you. Don't you know that every, where you are right now is a test? Don't you know that some of people are playing, for, for example, God, I want financial breakthrough. I want financial breakthrough. I want financial breakthrough. But you won't tithe where you are. Why should he trust you with more if he can't trust you where you are? I tell the young preachers all the time, oh, you want to preach? If you need a platform to preach, you're not a preacher. I learned to preach on the streets. I learned to preach to people at the McDonald's and gas stations and Burger King. Wherever there was an assignment, I was like, God, use me here. I'm still waiting for God to say, behold, you're going to be a pastor. <laughs> still haven't heard that. I am just keep doing what's in front of me. And I believe that you are a sum of what you do with what's right in front of you. So why not ask God for a vision, for a mission? Because if not, you are out. You're worried about people's lives. Crazy. They say that the regular American is spending eight to ten hours on social media every day. You know what that is? That's living other people's lives. And we're experts. Everybody should be doing, except for us. I don't know about you, man. I just want to push. I just want to believe God for more. I believe that this church can do so much more. If only we had people who would say, I'm in. I know we're not a perfect church, but man, we're trying. I'm in. What can I do? How can I help? I know you got a lot on your plate, Pastor. I want to pray for you, but I also want to take something off your plate. What can I do? I believe we can, we can, we can, I've been praying about this. I, I, I hate to, I, I don't like to speak in advance, but listen, there are more campuses that we want to build. I believe where you live should, should have a new life campus. 
I'm thinking so much lately about Taunton and Brockton. If you live in that area, we need to pray because I believe God has an assignment for us in Taunton and Brockton, somewhere in that area, to build another New Life Church, to bless the community so more people can know Jesus, more people can know his, that there's a God who loves them, who cares about them. I could care less about titles. I could care less about gimmicks. I want people to know Jesus. I want people to have a relationship with Jesus so they can have their lives transformed. I want to go to Cape Verde this summer because I believe we'll have a campus in Cape Verde. I'm going to pray and scout the land. My friends, I want to do life. So when I pray, make room, I mean it. I mean it. I don't have time to play church. Make room, Lord, to do whatever you want to do. It's Valentine's Day. Make room for Jesus. Make room for Jesus. I don't have a marriage without Jesus. Make room for Jesus. Some of y'all, you should be thankful that Jesus got you single because he knows the best place for you right now is with me so I can build you. If you don't make room for Jesus, you will make a, a dude your savior. And when he breaks your heart, you're gonna generalize all dudes. Make room for Jesus so that your relationship has meaning. You know, I like to ask young people, what are you dating for? What is the purpose of this relationship? Because don't you know a relationship without purpose will lead to bad things? One thing led to another, nothing ever leads to another. It's lack of purpose. Don't you know your sex life has a purpose? Like God created you as a sexual being with purpose, not to squander it. See how quiet it gets? when we talk about the truth. Your money has purpose. Your time has purpose. All of that. Don't you know you're going to be responsible before God? Don't you know that when I get before God, he's not going to ask me what people thought about me on social media? Don't you know that? That God's not going to ask you, hey, what'd you think about what Pastor Marco did? He's going to ask you, what'd you do with the life that I gave you to live? Did you own it? Because he, because he says two things he's going to say. He say he, he, I'm either going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or I'm going to say, you wicked, lazy servant, I never knew you. Yeah, cute, beautiful, blonde-haired Jesus will tell you the truth. So are we ready to make room, friends? We can't be playing church. We got to be the church. We're the church, blessed, saved, set apart to do everything that God created us to do. And when you're not doing that, you're living a life less than God had in mind. Would you join me in praying? Would you lift your hands to the Lord and truly make room? Make room. Make room today for the Lord to do whatever he wants to do. St. Valentine made room and God led him all the way to being killed for his faith. But I believe that he he heard Jesus say, well done. You did exactly what I asked you to do. I pray that's all of us. I pray we can all say, God, make room. I'm here to make room for you to do whatever you want to do. No reservations. Have your way. Have your way. I don't get to decide how you want to use me, God. I just want to be useful. I just want to be useful. I want to be useful. I don't want to be a critic. I want to be useful.
I don't want to be a complainer. I want to be useful. Make me useful, Lord. Make room and make me useful. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Only you can, only you can confirm your word in our hearts and our minds. In person, online, in forever. God, we're making room for you to do whatever you want to. Whatever that is, Lord. God, I know you call us to know you, to walk with you, to live in community, to make a difference, to make this world a better place. Lord, make, we want to make room for you to do whatever you want to do. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come over our lives. Maybe you're here or you're online. You've never really made room for Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You've gone to church. You try to be a good person, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being saved. We're talking about being forgiven and made new. And if that's you today, you're like, man, I, I've never really trusted the Lord as my Lord and Savior. Make room right now. Make room right now. Just pray this prayer with me. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he will come into your life. He will forgive you. He will give you a new day. Make room right now. Just say this. Say, Father, I'm making room for Jesus to come into my life, to forgive me, to empower me, to make me who I'm supposed to be. I want to live in the fullness of his will. I want to hear him say, well done, one day. So fill me with your spirit. I want to live in the fullness of your will, Jesus. And I pray your name. Oh, I pray your name. Make room. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.